Hi there, you're listening to More Than Potential. And today I wanted to talk about uh, Lil Nas X. So (laughs) I know there's a lot of stuff I can talk about in the world today. I chose Lil Nas X. Don't be mad, be glad. (laughs) This is going to be a heavier subject, but also not at the same time. I wanted to basically take some time and just reflect on how I felt watching the music video, some of the things I noticed, and what I think about all the controversy surrounding this entire debacle with Montero and the music video and Candace Owens and just all of that. So let's get into it. First and foremost, I want to say what I got from everything Lil Nas was trying to say was pretty straightforward. Lil Nas basically said heteronormativity is hell. And I agree. I think I reached the point in my life finally where I could agree. And I think that Lil Nas is probably smarter than me because he's younger than me and came to this conclusion. I'm like 24. I'm pretty sure Lil Nas is like 21 or something. So yeah, he's definitely smarter than me. He's ahead of the curve. But, you know, it's taken me a long time to realize what he says, what he's basically saying in this song. The core message is that You need to accept yourself and heteronormativity is a prison. It is a prison and it is so constricting and you can't really get out of it. And as far as he's concerned, if you will have to live a heteronormative lifestyle to reach heaven and feel good enough and like a good enough person to be worthy of a decent life, and then you go to heaven and you're surrounded by a bunch of people that don't even accept you, That just sounds like hell. Like that is not even, if you got to do all that, I'd rather actually just go to hell. You know what I'm saying? Like if, and it's taken me a long time to feel this way, but I think that when you consider that, you know, a lot of what we think people should be, meaning that heteronormative lifestyle, meaning basically living in a very specific way. I'm trying to figure out how to describe heteronormativity, but basically You know, when we think about the mom and the dad and the kids and the white picket fence with the golden retriever dog, like that sort of heteronormative lifestyle where we, you know, abide by the confines of monogamy and we're with straight people doing straight people stuff and we settle down and we get married and all that kind of stuff like that isn't everybody's dream. And it has a lot of restrictions, a lot of constraints with this type of lifestyle. It's not fulfilling for a lot of people. Even if you are straight, it's still not fulfilling for a lot of people. That's why we see the divorce rate as high as it is. So obviously, it's something. something's not working. It's not working. It's not making people happy. People are still miserable. And so Lil Nas' message is really saying that this, what we're told to strive for and how it's tied with religion is just oppressing people and it's holding people back from really accepting themselves and where they are in life and truly being happy. Like nobody should have to live through hell just to get to heaven and be surrounded with a bunch of people who are hypocritical and hateful. You know, like it's hard to accept yourself and accept like what you really want and desire out of life. And even if, even like accepting your sexuality, that's still difficult, but we would rather accept our sexuality and accept that people will reject us for who we really are than try to be something we're not. And that's all Lil Nas is really trying to say. So, you know, for me as like a viewer, I have always liked Lil Nas, you know what I'm saying? Like I've always thought he was a a good artist. He's actually very intelligent. 
You know, he he puts out good, catchy music. But I guess I kind of consider him as a rapper just because I feel like his music does have a, like a strong hip hop trap influence, but it just has other influences too. Like he blends other different types of music genres. So when you think about Old Town Road, Old Town Road was mixed in country with like more hip hop, you know, top hat type of beat. It's, it's very much a, a hip hop song with just country influences. In my opinion, I, I don't know if I would really say it's a country song, but either way, you could go in either direction and make your point. Um, the point is he blended those two genres together to make a, a hit record. And I feel like because he came into the scene to fill in some sort of void that people were looking for, I think that he will last in the industry for quite some time just because he is someone I feel like is very creative and he knows how to mix and match different blends or different songs and blend different types of sounds and stuff. And so when Montero came out, which this, these are not the only two songs he has, he's had several songs that were pretty popular, but you know, when Montero came out, you know, it's just been a different level of fame and a different level of achievement for him. And I think that too, it's not just about how he's able to blend like music genres. It's also how he's been able to break boundaries. You know what I'm saying? Like even when it comes to um, Old Town Road, how he was being suppressed as a black artist from the country music chart just because he was having a song that had hip hop influences. And I thought that was wrong because honestly, if it's a song that has that, that type of influence, it, it doesn't make sense to keep it off the country charts. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't happen in the reverse. Like a country music that performs really well and has urban beats could very much be on a hip hop chart. It could very much, you know what I'm saying? Like we don't see a problem. So I think there was like some slick racism going on there, in my opinion. But the point is, is that he was not only to blend genres, but also, you know, break some boundaries there. And we're seeing him break those boundaries again, but in a different form with Montero, because you start to see like as a rapper, he's going to occupy a completely different space. And it's not just because he's queer. It's not just because he's a young black gay man who is open about being gay. It's the fact that he did something very bold by not ascribing to heteronormativity, even in the way that he raps and performs. So for example, more recently, I've noticed that Lil Nas does explore a lot with CGI. And he also does a lot with hair and makeup and costuming, which is perfectly fine. I don't see anything wrong with that. But I think with Montero, it was different because we start to see him really do like the hair, the makeup, the nails, like the full look. And so it's just not something we're used to seeing rappers do. Like male rappers don't have that. They don't do this, right? I did not think Lil Nas would go down this path because I assumed because he was a young black man that if he was in the rap scene, he was going to take that more seriously. And because of the pressure to conform to the traditional hip hop image of bravado and masculinity, he would do that and he would go down that route. I was not expecting for him to do a complete 180 and do what he did in Montero. So in fact, when I saw that he is willing to explore and, you know, basically it's okay to be gay kind of thing. Like it's okay to be a gay man and like, you know, have some sort of feminine energy or do things that make you look feminine, even if you're a black man. Like the fact that he's comfortable with showing that aspect of himself and he doesn't despise that part of himself anymore is truly beautiful to watch because I know 
that a lot of gay black men struggle because they're 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 forced into the hyper masculinity box. They're expected to be super tough and never cry and have all this bravado and have this like gangsta attitude. I don't know how to phrase it other than that, but I'm sure there's a better word. But you know what I'm saying? Like they, they, they have to present themselves a certain way. And so I assume that Lil Nas would do something a little bit similar. But the fact that he does not hate the feminine makes him so relatable to so many people because he doesn't buy into that toxic hypermasculinity nonsense. Like he just wants to be what he wants to be. He wants to do what he wants to do. That's not to say that Lil Nas, I don't see Lil Nas as very feminine necessarily. I just see him as not hating that part of himself because as a black gay man, it's easy for people to make you hate that part of yourself. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I can tell that he doesn't hate that part of himself. He embraces all aspects of who he is. And I think that that journey informs how he created this record because he wrote it himself. He produced this music video. He directed it. He definitely had a large part to play. Like his artistic voice in this is very clear and the messaging is super clear. So I feel like I can tell that this came from his heart. But, you know, before I continue, I I do want to read what he said, because I saw on Twitter, there was this like letter that he wrote to himself. So before I break down the music video, let me explain what he says in this letter. And it says, Dear 14-year-old Montero, I wrote a song with our name in it. It's about a guy I met last summer. I know we promised to never come out publicly. I know we promised to never be that type of gay person. I know we promised to die with this secret. But this will open doors for many other queer people to simply exist. You see, this is very scary for me. People will be angry. They will say I'm pushing an agenda. But the truth is, I am. The agenda to make people stay the fuck out of other people's lives and stop dictating who they should be. Sending you love from the future. And, you know, reading that really made me think, really, this whole thing kind of made me a little bit emotional because I was thinking about all the ways that we do basically tell gay people or just LGBTQ people in general, they don't have the right to exist. That their very existence is a threat to heteronormativity and these sort of traditional norms of society and that we are a problem, that we are a problem that, you know, has to be erased. And so I think that, you know, the fear of coming out and being yourself and acknowledging who you are is very, very real and it can have dangerous consequences. And so for Lil Nas, I think that part of being himself has also just been having money. Now, I don't want to get too deep into this because we can get back into it a little bit later. I, I, like I said before, we're going to talk about the actual music video itself and I'm going to break down some other things. But I want to I want to drop that little note in there before I circle back around to it. So, um, yes, there was a lot of controversy about this. Yes, there was a lot of people who were upset. You know, I saw a tweet from Candace Owens going back and forth with Lil Nas about it. Clearly, people feel a type of way. But let's talk about what was actually in the music video and why people were so upset. Okay, so basically, you know, the music video opens up with him saying that Montero is a place. And that basically... He, he's introducing the concept of we tell ourselves no and we lock ourselves away. This idea that you can't accept who you are and that who you are is an affront to somebody else. It's offensive to someone else. So you have to keep 
who you are a secret. Like that's basically how he even starts the music video. So it's it's very clear what the message is. You know what I'm saying? It's about accepting yourself. And so that being said, throughout the entire um, music video, you have these references between heaven and hell. Like the very beginning is definitely a, a reference to Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, and I think that that was intentional. I also think that the biblical references got people mad because anytime any artist uses any biblical references, it's always seen as blasphemous. It's never seen as just creative license. So whatever. But basically he has the Garden, the Garden of Eden situation and there's like this serpentine figure that also is him, right? Because Lil Nas is everybody in this music video. Like it's heavy CGI. And so obviously, you know, this serpentine figure kisses him, lures him, and then I guess that's him accepting who he is. Now, part of this is really just the the battling of the two selves kind of thing, where it's obvious that the serpent is, you know, luring him into accepting a different part of himself that is something that he will be later punished for. But it's still important to note that these are all versions of himself, if that makes sense, and that they do kiss somewhat I guess like that's the implication in the movie in the in the music video anyway so obviously from that point that heaven imagery gets heavily contrasted with him being judged and people in the in the music video literally throwing stones at him because of what he had done and so it's very clearly telling a narrative about what happens when especially when it comes to when you add the religious element in when you decide to accept who you are or at least you know, consider being yourself and you get outed or you get found out for not being straight or whatever else. And how the church does throw stones at you. They judge you. People look down on you and whatever else. Like you're treated very harshly, you know? And then from that point, it's interesting because you kind of see how Lil Nas goes from being in heaven to being casted into hell and being ousted from this good place and so he literally like (laughs) oh god he literally basically like falls into hell on a stripper pole so he like slides down a stripper pole into hell and so after that he basically starts seducing the devil and yeah he's like seducing the devil and stuff and giving the devil a lap dance and pulling out all the stripper moves and that's what really pissed off people right that was the that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And at the end of the music video, he basically just kills the devil and puts on the horns. And so what this meant to me was several things. For one, there was heaven and hell imagery, but Christians are kind of dumb because they're not even considering the Greek mythology in this as well. Like it wasn't just heaven and hell. Like yes, there was emphasis on that in the very beginning because of the Adam and Eve like reference like it was obvious it was like the Garden of Eden situation but there was plenty of Greek mythology um stuff in there too for example at the end when Lil Nas does a pole dance into hell um you literally see or it's the equivalent of like the river sticks or something and he has to walk across this long bridge and then the gates or I guess like the doors of hell open up and it's like a whole thing. That's like actually in Greek mythology too, where people, when they're entering into hell or whatever, it's like a huge gate and you see the doors open and it's like riches and everything else within like the kingdom. It's like a whole thing, right? It's a whole thing. This is something that you hear a lot about in Greek mythology. So that's just an example of what I was talking about. Um, 
But yeah, I think that like, what if anything to me, I feel like all of those things just kind of show that he put a lot of thought into it since he did it himself. You know, he put, he did it himself. Like he, he didn't have somebody do all this stuff for him. So like, I'm really impressed that he put all these references in there and they all have some sort of meaning and greater purpose. And I think that, you know, part of the reason why he added the religious element is because I feel like part of his journey as an artist is accepting who he is as a gay man. And because he was clearly from the, from the letter that we just read, he was indoctrinated by religion to hate who he is and to hate like how he was born, which is born as a gay man. And so I feel like that played a role in how he accepted himself and how he decided to come public. Because I remember when I found out Lil Nas was gay, when he announced to the public that he actually was gay and I remember being shocked because I was like, really? I didn't see that coming. I mean, I wasn't mad or anything, obviously, but I was like, mm, interesting. I didn't see this. And a lot of people, you know, they did dislike him. He did get a lot of pushback. And so what it reminds me of is the scene in the, in the, in the music video where he's getting the stones thrown at him and people are judging him before he's casted into hell. Like he was in heaven. You know, he had finally made it to a point where he's making all this money. He's living a good life. And then he just has to ruin it by being true to himself, by being true to himself and not denying his sexuality. He's ousted and people hate him and they're throwing him into hell. And they're saying that, you know, we don't like you. You're not our favorite artist anymore. You're just fulfilling an agenda, blah, 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 blah. And so what, you know, Lil Nas's response was, was to say, okay, well, if I'm already casted into hell, you've, uh, you, I'm a, an abomination. You've sentenced me to hell for being gay. If that's the case, then I'm going to bust hell wide open because I'm already going to go, right? You've already sentenced me there. I'm not going to continue to live in shame and an embarrassment for something that is not, is not shameful, right? And so I think that that's why, you know, you see him doing the lap dance on, on Satan because it's intentionally provocative. He's intentionally making a statement to say, this is what y'all think we do anyway. Like, this is how you treat gay people anyway. So I'm just going to continue to live my life and not care what y'all think. Um, and if I'm going to be in hell, then I'm in hell. So be it, you know? And I don't think that he's wrong for feeling that way. I think that that's, that's fair. It's fair when you think about how so many Christians demonize gay people. And there's, so, there's clearly a double standard, right? The idea that there's not supposed to be a greater or lesser sin, but still gay people are treated as if they're an abomination according to the Bible. And it's like, how is that possible? If you say there's no greater or lesser sin, why are we coming for gay people so hard? Why? Why are they an abomination and not literally all types of sin? That's problematic to me. It's problematic that people will sit there and justify how they treat gay people as, as saying, well, you're not welcome in our churches. You're not allowed to do anything. And it's like, I thought we said that there was no greater or lesser sin. Why can't gay people, formerly gay people, quote unquote, gay people be pastors? Why can't gay people do anything in the church? If you find out they're gay, you literally oust them and kick them out. We don't do anything like that with any other sin. There's so many pedophiles in the church, but we don't care about them. You know what I'm saying? And that's the problem. Like, how is it we have all these pedophiles and all these abusers in the church who are able to take positions and, you know, no one holds them accountable. But if someone has the rumor of being gay, y'all get freaked out. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, it's like y'all hold gay people to such a high standard and you, you banish them to hell. But then all the other sins, y'all just kind of ignore when it's convenient. It's very strange. And so I think that sort of 
that sort of becomes an issue for a lot of queer people because you're literally telling us to hate ourselves because what you're saying is that we chose to be this way, but we didn't, we didn't choose to not be straight. Like nobody made a conscious decision to be straight or gay. God made us how he made us. And God knew that. So we'd even have to call into question a God that would create people who would have this problem because why would God create an abomination knowingly? You know what I'm saying? Like if, if we know that being gay is an abomination because that's what it says in the Bible and that's what you preach at gay people to sentence them and banish them to hell. Why would God create people who are abominations? Aren't we supposed to be made in God's image? And if that's the case, why is it that gay people are not considered made in God's image? Why? They are also human beings. So it doesn't make sense to me that we keep regurgitating this narrative about how gay people are abominations and banished because one out of two things is true. Either you're admitting that God really does not care and he creates people and creations. Like he literally fashions creations that he knows he doesn't care about and will banish. Or two, you're admitting that gay people are right and that they aren't an abomination and that you just made that up to justify your own bigotry. Either God is actually a horrible person or a horrible deity that doesn't care about his own creations or that gay people are right and that you just made this shit up because it doesn't make logical sense for God to create something that is literally an abomination, something that he supposedly hates. Like why would God hate his own creation when literally at the very beginning of the Bible, it says that God fashioned us in his own image and likeness. Why does that exclude gay people? Can we talk about it? Can we talk about how the theology of that makes no sense? So anyway, as far as I'm concerned, I think that the fact that so many of us have to rebel against this religious conditioning that shames us and makes us want to be in silence, like it makes us want to, you know, hide away in the dark says a lot. And <laughs> I have to be honest, I think that that sort of conflict where you're constantly battling the two versions of yourself is something that I personally experienced because like, I know what it's like to grow up in a super, super religious church where everything is about the devil and everything is like this, this very hateful perspective on how anyone who is different is wrong, is bad, is, is to be punished, is to, is going to hell. Like the fire and brimstone message always hurts people on the margins the most, which is mainly people of color. And so I remember, you know, feeling when I was younger that I was wrong to be how I am and that something was wrong with me and that I was afraid. I was deeply afraid of going to hell for my quote unquote choices. And so that's why I never really came out officially to anyone other than like my friends, because there's plenty of people who don't know I'm out. There's plenty of people who have no idea that I'm not necessarily straight. And because I don't present as, you know, anything other than straight, because I'm pretty femme and I'm a woman, like femme as in feminine, because I'm pretty femme, like people don't really, they don't really know the difference, right? So if I were to say something to them, that would be the only way they would know. And because there's so many people who don't, you know, and who in real life don't know that I am like queer, I think that it's always been an issue for me because I know deep down that, you know, if I were to come forward and be honest, people would sentence me to hell because their love for me is conditional. You know, it's not like there's this idea of unconditional love in the church because it's not true. If you're a gay or queer person, 
Their love for you is very much conditional. They very much want you to change to suit their agenda or to suit their narrative. They very much want you to be someone else to make them more comfortable. And even my own family, I know that religion is such a powerful stronghold that like my own family would choose their religion over me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like their own religion matters more than like their family members. And so being queer is understanding that this love is uncon- this love is not unconditional, that even your family who's supposed to love you conditionally never will for this reason. And so the only way that I would truly come forward to everyone and just be like, hey guys, I'm queer and I don't care who knows it. I'm queer and I'm here. The only way I would do that is if I did make as much money as Lil Nas, which is why I was hinting at earlier the idea that resources and having money is greatly tied to being out and being in your truth. Because as long as you are poor, especially if you're a black person, you are making yourself susceptible to a lot of violence by just being who you are, just being yourself. I also feel like, you know, with more money comes more options in this system. So the more money you have, the more liberties you have to run away from a heteronormative lifestyle and to choose something different. So when you don't have a lot of money, your options are incredibly limited. And so I feel like for a lot of young black and brown people, because we rely on our parents, just like everybody else, so much when we're younger, it makes it very difficult for us to come forward about our experiences because we also know that we are very vulnerable financially. We're vulnerable to financial abuse. So we really can't come forward in the way that we would like without it becoming a huge issue. You know what I'm saying? And so Lil Nas being rich definitely does help. Notice how he got his bag first from Old Town Road before he started talking about being gay. You know what I'm saying? Look, it's, it's very clear that he would have never said anything to the mass public if he had never popped off. So that being said, that's how I feel about Lil Nas X. I think it's always empowering to see a black queer person living in their truth. And yes, I know that means that they have to take a lot of hits for it. But, you know, Lil Nas is right. Like, he is helping Black queer people feel like they have the right to exist and they don't have to apologize or make excuses for just being alive, that they are not the problem. Now, what did I dislike? Now, I gotta be honest, but one thing about this I disliked is the whole Lil Nas shoe situation. So what I mean is that Lil Nas X basically came out with the shoe that was hell themed. So it had like a pentagram on it and it had like um, a Bible verse on it and whatever. And the shoe also had, I don't know where this is in the shoe. Maybe it's in the heel, but it's like in the heel or something. It has ink and one drop of human blood. Now, why is this important? So for me, I don't really care if there's actually human blood in the shoe or not. My problem is the fact that they thought it was a cute little marketing tool or marketing strategy, like just as a concept. The fact that they're marketing um, having human blood as part of a product that's meant to be bought or sold makes me uncomfortable. Like just in general, like that is a byproduct of capitalism. It is very dehumanizing to even market something like that you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't really necessarily care for the the Satanistic elements of it. That doesn't, it's not something I particularly enjoy 
but at the very least, I'm not super bothered by it. But I am bothered by when we dehumanize people or normalize things that are very harmful. And to me, it is just a very systematic problem we have with dehumanizing people and like trying to make everything for profit. Like blood should not be for profit. You know what I'm saying? Like the fact that they added that as part of a product to be bought and sold by people as a little marketing gimmick makes me uncomfortable. I'm not sure how to articulate why that's so uncomfortable for me, but I think the mere fact they thought it was so something cute and quirky and not just kind of problematic and like really, it feels very weird. It, it feels very anti-human. I, I don't know. And granted, this is more because of spirituality, the idea that, you know, people's blood has their life force. You know, this is what brings life to their body. So if they don't have blood, they cannot survive. You know, so the fact that like, you know, advertising that as part of a, a, a an inanimate object or a product is just weird to me. You know what I'm saying? I don't see. I hope you understand what I mean by that. Like, I'm not trying to hate on him. I just personally believe it's uncomfortable for me to see that they would do that. Does that make sense? So, you know, as a result of the music video and the song, there was a bunch of outrage. People were upset and they were saying things like, well, what about the children? And, you know, look at your content. It's just too graphic and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people were uncomfortable with the Satanism thing. And of course, the conspiracy theory started flying. So my response to all this is obviously every single time an artist does anything remotely controversial, people are going to lose their minds, right? Like they're going to go nuts. And so this reminds me of when Nicki Minaj did a uh, performance, might have been at the Grammys years ago. And basically she had like an exorcism on stage and with a, with like a, a Catholic priest, a fake Catholic priest, and not pissed off the Catholic church and people were angry and she started getting blacklisted and, you know, things like that. Um, but even beyond this, though, I feel like it's important to at least acknowledge that, you know, when it comes to people saying that we should care about the children, I do think we should care about kids, but I don't think Lil Nas being a queer Black artist with dancing and having hell imagery in one music video is going to ruin children. You know, you do have to be more responsible over your child's consumption. Like you shouldn't just be sitting your kid down in front of the TV. You know what I'm saying? Or sitting your kid down in front of the computer to do anything that they want to do. You do have to be mindful and you do have to control their consumption. Now I could go into a whole other, a whole other podcast episode on why it's problematic to to say that this is not something to be discussed. But I don't think in this situation, this was something that was just so blatantly horrific that this would make little kids do something crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I just don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all, actually, not for this music video. But there are examples of blatant um, acts of hypersexuality and grotesqueness that I feel like should be discussed. I think the thing that people are upset about is this, this, the hell imagery. That's what people are mad about. Not necessarily the sexual stuff, because it really wasn't that sexy. I mean, it was racy, kind of, but at the same time, was it? I, I've seen way worse in a Cardi B music video, in the average Cardi B music video. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I feel like what really bothered people was more the hell imagery and normalizing going to hell, which is really just puritanical views. Like if you don't believe in God, then you don't believe in the devil. And all of this seems ridiculous. But if you are a serious believer, then of course you're going to take offense to this. 
I don't care because I'm not a believer, but a lot of people are. So they just take a, a, a lot of offense to it. You know what I'm saying? And it just seems a little bit irrational. It really does seem irrational. Like you're mad about a, fic- a fictional place, a fictional place. Like hell doesn't probably doesn't even look like that. You know what I'm saying? Like hell don't look like that. Why are y'all worried? But anyway, so generally speaking, I feel like the controversy around it was just because of puritanical views. At the end of the day, it had less to do with the sexual nature and more to do with the people, the fact that adults were scared that if Lil Nas X mentioned um, a music video that he does, <clears throat> and he does this music video and kids see it with hell imagery, they think that they're going to want to go to hell. And I'm like, no, it's, it's all satire. Most people who are joking about this are literally joking about hell. They don't take hell seriously. They're not even believers. But, you know, assuming Christians are smart enough to pick on satire and to pick on humor is kind of ridiculous. Like, I don't think they do that very well. They don't have a good sense of humor. So, yeah. Um, But anyway, that's pretty much how I feel about this whole controversy. Um, I think a lot of it is just, like, unnecessary. Like, there's bigger fish to fry. There's bigger things that I'm personally worried about that are affecting young women every single day. So that being said, um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this video or excuse me, enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot me a DM on my Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it and talk about it. You know, you can tweet me. Well, yeah, I think I have a Twitter. I have a Twitter. You can tweet me. You can um, tag me in a TikTok or anything you like. Make sure you leave a review on the podcast saying that you liked it and what you liked about it. It's a great way to support me and to make sure I can continue doing what I'm doing and that other people find out about the podcast. So sending in reviews is great, especially on like Apple Podcasts. So that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will be back with the next one. Bye.